We exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, serve together, and grow together. Good morning, everybody. So glad you're here. Especially want to say welcome to those that are here for the very first time, whether you're in the house or you are online. We know that uh, on site, joining the church for the first time can be very uh, nerve-wracking. Uh, you don't know what to do, what to expect, especially during this COVID season that we're in. So uh, we just want to say thank you for taking the risk and being here. And I want to reiterate, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to say hello, just connect with you however you would allow after worship. And if you're online, I, I would love to connect with you even via email, okay? I would love to do that. Thank you for joining us. True Worth, brothers and sisters down there, man, how, how you're living out there on the streets with the weather going up and down, hot and cold. Man, our thoughts are with you. Hope the sleeping bags are working and the coffee this morning is great. If you're in the other part of the building this morning in the sanctuary, please afterwards pop out into the crossing. I'll be out there somewhere. I, I would love to say hello to you as well and say thank you for coming. Uh, let's dive into prayer here before we get too far in. God, uh, we thank you again for how you've showed up already uh, in worship, uh, for making yourself known through the talent and the skill, the vocalist and our musicians. God, uh, we just say our cup runneth over uh, with so much gift in this, God. Uh, for the men and women who serve behind the scenes, who, who make things happen, who open the doors, who get the building ready before we ever arrive, that are upstairs in the production rooms, uh, taking care of the sound and the lighting, God, in ways just to create a setting, God, for us to experience you, we, we just say thank you. And now, God, be among us as we open your word. Uh, some of us here, we really need to hear something from you. Uh, we didn't come here just to pass an hour. We came here to be touched by you, not a human being, but by you. So teach us, get us on the right path, show us what we need to know even as you heal us. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in the second week of a message series we're calling Life-Changing Words, and here's what we're doing. We are going toward Easter, and we're looking at one word one single word each week that we believe has the potential. If you focus on this one word all week long, that means doing your life steps, and if you don't know what the life steps are, you can download the app. It has a little place there that says life steps to give you a scripture and a question or two just to kind of wrestle and a little prayer for you to pray to kind of help you in that. I would encourage you to do that because we believe that when you do that throughout the week, change begins to happen. Now, we began this whole thing last week with the word no, and we did that because so many of us have our lives are so crammed full, we don't have space for God. You said yes to so many other things in this world, you have no space for God in your life, or not even the people in your life that you say are important, the people that you say you love. So we had to start with no. And some of us here, you don't say no very well. Uh, you have been seduced by the world. The world's going to pressure you and me. It's going to manipulate us. It's going to seduce us to say yes to stuff that we have no business saying yes to, that we should be saying no to. In fact, the scripture puts it this way. Uh, Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. And yet that is exactly what so many of us do. And the world wants us to conform. So we began with no. 
Now, we're going to practice no here before. We're going to leave the word no this morning. But before we leave the word no, we've got to practice saying no a little bit more because some of you struggle with this more than others. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak some messages that the world sends to you and me every day. And I want all together, in one voice, whether you're online, say words, two words, wherever you are, say no. And I want you to say with an attitude, like a two-year-old, you know, you know, no, you know, I'm not going to do it, no way. Like a, like a teenager, right, you're taking their phone away. No, you know, all, whatever you got to do, I want you to say with a little bit of it, but not too much that you scare the person next to you, okay, but just enough that you kind of get the conviction, okay? Are you ready? Here you go. Live an insanely scheduled life. Live with a frenzied, hurried spirit. Buy things you don't need. Please people you don't even know. uh, Try to impress people you don't even like. Idolize your job. Sacrifice your family on the altar of achievement. Do whatever your pastor says. (laughs) That was supposed to be yes. That's why we're going to leave no this morning, okay? That's why we're going to leave it. I read an article this past week on uh, the most dangerous word in the world. It was written by a couple of folks, one being someone who's very strong in the faith and someone who's strong in understanding neurology, the things of the brain. Here's what they found in this research. If they were to put each and every one of us into an MRI tube, And right before the scan begins, they were to infuse within our brains within one second, just a second, no, 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 all those messages, no, 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 into your brain, just compressed into your mind. Here's what would happen. Immediately, these stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters, these chemicals, will be released from your brain. Immediately. And those chemicals kind of are key things that kind of cause an interruption in your mind, your brain. It immediately interrupts your brain, and it makes it very difficult for you. It impairs your ability to reason, to logic, to think clearly, to respond well, and to present yourself well. It just messes with your head. If you are someone who has a propensity for depression, if you're someone who struggles with high anxiety, And if you have this ongoing sense of negativity of no, 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 it just makes it all worse. In fact, it begins to damage the parts of your brain that regulates the function of your memory and your emotions. And that is why some of you have difficulty in healthy sleep patterns. That's why some of you struggle in ever having, having a sense of happiness, a sense of joy in your life, having satisfaction. You're never satisfied with anything. There's always, because of this ongoing no negativity, critical, it's in your spirit that the world. Now, this morning, we're moving on to the word yes. You need to know how to say no. No is an important word. As a parent, you need to know how to say no. But you cannot live on a diet of no. If you live on a diet of no, it will kill your spirit. In fact, God made you, God wired you to say yes. In fact, with someone that you love, God has designed your brain and your body and your spirit to want to say yes to them. If you are a parent, 
grandparent and you have a healthy relationship with your child, I don't care how old they are, when they come to you with ask in your heart, in your spirit, you really want to say yes. Can Susie come over? Can I have a snack? Can I sign up for this? Will you sit down and play with me? Will you read to me? Will you sit down and watch this movie with me? In your heart, in your spirit, healthy life, you want to say yes. That's how God made you. You have a good friend, someone in your life that you really love, someone you're close to. They call you and they say, I need to spend some time with you. Can I? I have a burden I need to lay down. Can I? I need to tell you something that I've not told anyone. I've got to get it off my chest. Can I? And you want to say yes. God has wired you that way to want, want to say yes, yes, yes. You fall in love with someone. I'm talking romantic love. I'm talking the sparks fly. I'm talking about the chemistry, all that. And finally, one of them comes up and the other, and they say, hey, can I kiss you? Yes! Yes! I mean, I've just been dying to say yes for a long time. Yes, 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 yes. God has wired you in your spirit with a yes and a no for other people. Did you know that? That's how God made you, with a yes and a no. And it's happening all the time. You know a people in your life who have a yes for you. It's very obvious. You know who has a yes in their heart for you. They want the best for you. They're always encouraging you. They're always lifting you up. They're always trying to help you soar, become the very best who God created you to be. But you also know people in your life who have a no in their heart for you. Just being around them, they naturally wound you. They open their mouth, they just wound you. They're always criticizing. They're finding fault. They're picking, they're picking, they're picking. Down in their spirit, they really don't want you to soar. They don't want you to fly. They don't want you to, they're pulling you back. They're pulling you back. Now, church, we all do this. God has wired you in your life, in your mind and in your spirit with a yes and a no. And unintentionally and subtly, you and I are communicating yes and no all the time. We just are. When you pull up to a, a, a stop sign, four-way stop sign, you got two cars there. It's amazing. It's amazing. You're not even in the same car. There's distance between you. You got two windshields separating you. But you can look to the other person, and they can look at you, and you can tell yes or no just through facial and body language who's going to go and who's going to wait. Isn't that true? We all do it. That's how God has made you. Now, this brings up a very important question I want you to wrestle with this morning. Do you believe that God has a yes or no for you in his heart? Now, I don't want you to give me the right answer, what you think is the right answer. I want you to do a little self-examination of yourself, really, how you live, how you think, how you handle things in your life. Do you live? like you believe God has a yes or a no for you in his heart. Now let's ask another question, even more basic question. 
do you really believe there is a God? It's the big question. There are people who come to church all the time, not even sure if they believe in God. And you're welcome here. You're welcome here to wrestle and wrestle with that question and ask and to wonder and to deal with that. But if you're someone who believes there is a God, let me ask you another question. Is your God nothing but a finger wagging, head shaking, disappointed in you, God of no? Is that who he is? Head shaking, finger pointing. No, 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 no. Very interesting. That is the underlying question that leads us to our scripture this morning over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is really the question uh, that the Apostle Paul is dealing with here is what's in God's heart for us? And is the, what kind of God do we have? A God of yes or a God of no? And here's what's happening here the Apostle Paul has a relationship with this little church people in Corinth. He wrote them a stinging letter, first letter, 1 Corinthians. And that letter had a lot of no, 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 no's in it. If you ever read it, you know what I'm talking about. It has, it has, it kind of points out some stuff. No, you're not doing the, you're not doing this right. Not a lot of stuff. And so they're beginning to wonder, does Paul have a yes or a no in his heart for us? That's kind of what they're asking. He said, I'm going to come see you. He didn't come. He got diverted. And so now they're wondering, does he love us? Does he care for us? Is it no? Where, where, is, where do we stand in this relationship? Now, before we read this text, I want to give you what I believe is the, is the overriding statement that defines 2 Corinthians as a whole, at our level, the, sec, the message of 2 Corinthians. And here it is. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, Corinthians, I want you to know something. Our relationship is not based on my character or your character. It's based on God's character. Now, I want to let that sit there for a second, and I want to linger, and I want you to kind of let that sink in. Any relationship that's really going to make it, any marriage that's going to be strong, any parent-child dynamic, whatever the age group, any boss who's going to have a good chemistry where they work in their business or on their team, if you say you're a Christian, The health of that relationship ultimately is not based on your character. It's not based on their character. It's based on the character of God about who God is and how that infiltrates and impacts you. Who is God to you? Look what it says right here. Verse 18. Chapter 1. But as surely as God is faithful. There it is. God is faithful. Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, in God, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Now I want to focus on verse 20 here for a little bit. It says, no matter how many promises God has made. How many promises has God made? That's always a big question. There's a lot of different sources give you lots of different answers on how many promises the Scripture says God has. Uh, Any source I give you is not going to be exactly accurate, but here's the one I kind of have stuck with for my own mathematical understanding who wants to have a number, is that it's 7,457. That's the number I hang on to. 
in the Scripture. 7,457 promises, and every single one of them are yes in Jesus Christ. Every, not, not some of them, not most of them, but all of them are yes to you in Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to write this down. God has a yes for me in his heart. Some of you need to write this down and wake up tomorrow morning, and the very first thing you read when you get up in the morning, God has a yes for me in his heart. When you're having this trouble in your relationship, when you get to your job and you feel beat down and worn down, you need to stop, refocus. God has a yes for me in his heart. I don't care what your circumstances are. I don't care where you are in life. I don't care what you've done, what's been done unto you. I don't care if your mother said no. I don't care if your father has said no. I don't care if your boss said no. Your coach said no. Your therapist said no. The IRS said no. Your dog said no. Your cat, it will say no. I don't care if it's that college, that job, that career, that guy, or that gal. I don't care how many no's you have received from the world. Every promise of God is yes to you in Jesus Christ, period. For you, it is yes. Pretty important statement. God. Will you save me? Yes. God, will you forgive me? Yes. God, will you cleanse me? Yes. God, will you guide me? Yes. God, will you give me wisdom? Yes. God, will you help me out of this jam that I have created? Yes. God, will you give me the power to forgive someone and to overcome the resentment that's in my heart? Yes. God, will you give me the promise of your presence in my life, every step of my life? Yes. God, will you be there with me when I die? Yes. And God, when I die... Will you resurrect me? Will you give me a new body, a spiritual body, God? And will you make my spirit one with your eternal spirit so that even after I'm dead, God, even after I've gone on to live with you in eternity in heaven, God, that my life on earth, my testimony of my life, the legacy of my life, and my spirit with you, that you will still let my life make a difference in this world, bring it to earth, what you are doing in heaven. Will you, God? And God says, yes, 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 yes. That's my yes to you. Church, this is one of the most significant statements in the Bible. It's one of the most powerful passages in Scripture. It tells us something about Jesus. It's kind of amazing to me that the Apostle Paul, who was raised a male Jew, who just believed in this monotheistic idea of God, holy, separate, holy, other. And now he's binding his concept of the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he says, 
There's something cosmic and divine going on in this man, this human being on earth named Jesus. And there's something about his life and his teaching and about his death and about his resurrection that every promise of God is yes in him. This next little verse down here, we didn't read it, verse 21. It says, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. I love that, stand firm in Christ. You know, we all stand on something. There's an old song we used to use in church when I was growing up. An old church with, with, some of you know, standing on the promises, right? Remember that old song, standing on the promises? I want to ask you, what are you standing on? We all stand on something. As a human being, as a human, and I'm going to guess most of us, all of, maybe hopefully all of us are humans in here. You cannot stand on your own sufficiency. You've got to stand on something or somebody else. And there are a lot of smart people in the world. Some of them say they're Christians who stand on their own intelligence. They're pretty smart. They stand on their own scientific understanding of what they can touch and what they can see and what they can feel. They say, you know what? I I just got to have my mind wrapped around having a positive mental attitude. I I just got to take care of my mind. I got to think right. If I think right, if I think right, Positive mental attitude is a pretty good thing. I encourage it. But that's not a too deep way to live when life really happens. Dallas and I lived in Wichita Falls when we first got married. And you heard this story many times before that three months after we're married, this big, big tornado comes through Wichita Falls. We wiped us out, lost everything. And then Dallas gets pregnant. In the very first summer of her pregnancy, it was 100 plus, 110, 112, 100. That's amazing, like 60, 70 days in a row of 100 plus temperature. And my wife had a big old no in her heart for Wichita Falls. She wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. And I said, honey, I kind of like Wichita Falls. Why can't I help you? Why do you have such a no in your heart? She said, the weather. Man, I just I said, honey, the weather is not the problem. You know, I mean, it's the clothing's the problem. You just got to dress differently, and it's the houses. There's just some houses that are magnets for tornadoes. You just got to have a better positive attitude. She said, no. <laughs> she never could overcome it. I'm just telling you, there's some things in your life, a positive mental attitude is not enough. What are you standing on when your life falls apart? When she walks in or he walks in and says, no, no more, I'm done, I'm gone. What do you stand on when your job falls apart, when your job goes away, when the income is gone? What do you stand on? What do you stand on when the diagnosis is critical? What do you stand on when depression and anxiety in the middle of the night when you can't sleep and your mind is just doing all this? What do you stand on? The Apostle Paul, who knew what it was to be punished and experience suffering, he knew what it was to be afraid. 
and had physical pain. And on his way to martyrdom, he's on his way to martyrdom, he says right here in 2 Corinthians 1, every promise of God is yes in Jesus Christ, and I'm standing on that period. What are you standing on? There's two yeses in this verse. The first yes is in that first part. And he uses actually the Greek word for yes, which is nigh, N-A-I. But in the second part of that verse, there's a second yes. Some of you missed it. It says, and so through him, the amen is spoken to us by us, spoken by us to the glory of God. Now that word amen, the word he uses is a Hebrew word. He doesn't use Greek right there. It's kind of interesting. He kind of inserts Hebrew in the middle of the Greek. Paul does. And that Hebrew word for amen literally means yes. That's what it means. Our yes to God. Back to God because of what he has done. Amen. Now that's kind of a churchy word. It's kind of a piety, kind of a holier than thou word. It's beat down a lot of people in the church and outside the church. And they hear that word amen, they get all kind of, I kind of just kind of just clear the air on this. It has nothing to do with gender. Nothing. You know what the word amen literally means? Can we translate it better? It means so be it. That's awesome. I agree. Let it be so. In the infamous words of the great Judy Madden around here, woo-hoo! <laughs> that's what amen means. Yes, yes, yes. Woo-hoo! awesome, God. That's what it means. Now, back in the early days, I mean, the rabbis, they would say, listen, you just don't say amen when you're in worship. If you see God pouring out his life, his blessing upon someone, when you see the goodness of God in someone's life, wherever you are, you just say, amen, yes, that's awesome, so be it, let it be so. Amen. We kind of lost that in the church today. A few years ago, I got to visit the potter's house where T.D. Jason teaches because I was off one weekend. I want to go over there and be a part of that. So I'll go over there and be a part of that. They have something called Amen Corner. So when TD is getting all fired up and he's talking about the goodness of God and the power of God and the love of God and some other folks start feeling the Spirit, they just start standing up and saying, Amen, Amen, Amen. And it just kind of spreads and gets electric. We don't have an Amen Corner around here. Let me tell you what it kind of is around here. Around here at Pathway, it's kind of like a sophisticated cattle auction. Where I say something and you go, <laughs> yep. You kind of raise your eyebrows and go, <laughs> but that's not the way it was back in Paul's day. They got a little more excited. They got a little more joyful. They got a little more happy. Yes, 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 amen. That's good. That's awesome. I love it. Yes to God. Back to him for what he has done for us. Our lives are called to be a courageous and bold amen back to God for everything he, because 7,457 promises that every single one of them are yes to you. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Amen. If you can. 
But just don't do the Bible. Don't roll it up and do that. Don't do, don't do that. <laughs> okay. Here's what I want to do in the time we have left. I've got about 10, 12 minutes left. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you five practical ways to do this. Five practical, very simple, five practical ways on how you can be, it's not just me yes to God, God yes to me, it's me being yes to other people. How can other people see that I have a yes in my heart for them? Because your relationship with God is not just about you and God. God, when you say yes to God, you become a conduit of the power of God and the love of God to move through you into every single human being you meet. And please hear this. There are no neutral human interactions. Every interaction you have with another person, it's a yes or a no. And they can tell it. They can tell it just like that. Okay? So here we go. Real quickly, five ways that you and I, so I, so I stick to the plan and don't venture off and say something stupid. Let me kind of get this right here. Okay, here's the first one. The yes of my goodwill. The yes of my goodwill. God has given you a will. The essence and core of who you are is you have a will. You can say yes or you can say no. That's the power of choice that God has given you. And the idea is that I'm going to will good intentionally in somebody else's life. Now, the passage here in 1 Thessalonians is this. It says, to encourage one another and build one another up as you are in the habit of doing. When you have an encounter with someone, immediately you're building them up or you're tearing them down or you're just allowing them to crumble. You are. I am. We are. So, in your life this week, here's what's going to happen. You're going to come across somebody, and they're discouraged. You're going to look at them, and you're going to know, obviously, you can be the person who breathes life into them by encouraging them, by challenging them, by willing them up instead of pressing them down or just letting them hang there on their own. You can will yourself to will good into their life. You can do that. You can. In worship here this morning, in the sanctuary, true worth online. Online, you can do this online. There's somebody here worse with us right now going through a divorce. Marriage is in turmoil. Had a bad diagnosis with a kid. They got a kid that's in trouble. They have a child that's off the reservation. Their income's out of whack. They got a bad diagnosis, whatever. And they came to worship this morning carrying that. And they're thinking, can I sneak in and can I sneak out where nobody even sees me? And if anybody knew, can, can I tell somebody? Can I tell somebody? So they don't tell anybody. They sneak in and they sneak out. But you... You can be the person who sees them, who recognizes them, and just comes and has eye contact with them and projects God's love and God's hope into their life just by you seeing them and being present. You can do that. You can be God's presence in someone's life this morning to encourage them that they are not lost in things. There's, not, there's hope. You can do that. I'm going to ask you to. Be the will of good for other people on purpose. Secondly, the yes of acknowledging. This is the same, almost the same. It's very simple. This is a very simple, simple thing of just recognizing that somebody exists. Now, Romans 16, 16 says this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 
Now, I know some of you just got really excited. You single folks got really excited. Because we're going to do that this morning. After worship, I'm going to challenge you to greet one another with a holy kiss, but we're going to skip the kiss part, because they really did that. And COVID or whatever, just giving people their space. We're not doing that. But here's what I want you to do. (laughs) Notice Paul didn't say, pass on along my greetings. He says, you greet them. You acknowledge them. You look them in the eye and you say, I welcome you into my life. I see you. I see you. Look above the mask. Yeah, you're important. You matter. Just nod your head. The idea is you're walking down the crossing, you're walking down the hallway, you're at the grocery store, you're at work. Somebody's coming this way, you're walking this way. So many of us, what do we do? We go. Am I lying? And when we do that, you know what we're saying? No. You keep that phone in your pocket. And you look up and you look him in the eye. And you nod your head, you smile, and you acknowledge them as a human being that God has made, that they are valued and important just by how you look at them. In church, sometimes I hear this around here, that somebody comes to worship and say, you know what, Pastor, I love the worship, but nobody spoke to me. Nobody looked at me. It happens. I'm asking every single one of you this morning, do not let anyone leave this site or leave online without greeting them somehow. Okay? And if you're on the street and you see a beggar and they're doing this and you don't want to give them anything, what do we do? We try to avoid eye contact. Because if you see them, and my challenge to you is, if you may say no to the financial ask, but you say yes to the human ask by looking them in the eye and saying, I do see you. You're a person of worth and value to me. You look at them. Thirdly, the yes of making a way. The yes of making a way. We live in a world, I'm just going to make a way for me. Just make a way for me. Hey, everybody get out of my way. Get out of my way, right? The scripture says over in Philippians, it says, consider other people more valuable than myself. Anybody around here ever get on an airplane, travel a lot for their living? When that was going on, real, you get on a plane, right? The plane lands, it's packed, it's land, you land, it's taxiing. What's everybody doing? Everybody's leaning forward, they got their hands on their seatbelt, and like Pavlov's dogs, as soon as the bell rings, they rip off that bell, and they get in the aisle as fast as they can to beat the person, because God forbid they would get ahead of you and slow you down for 20 seconds of getting off the beloved plane and getting to your car. That would be awful to lose that battle. But if you're going to serve them, or you're going to make a way for them, you stop and say, I'll make a way for you. God bless you. You're important. I value you. You're in the grocery store line. Church, these are very simple things that reveal our character. 
Can I, can I make this very clear? These are simple things that reveal our character. You're in line. Someone has one thing behind you. You say, after you. You come to a door at the same time. Hey, I make a way. It's God bless you. After you, you make a way for them. Here's the fourth one. is the yes of serving. The yes of serving. This is one of the most significant identifications of people in the early church. What made the early church great was the signature of serving others in humility. Oxymoron. Humility, serving, makes you great. And the scripture tells us over in Galatians, humbly serve one another in love. Let me ask you, do you just come here for years and years and years and just sit here and just consume? Or are you serving other people somewhere and somehow? There are some people down this hallway that while you and I are here right now, hoping I'll, get, I'll end as quickly as I can, <laughs> who are with your children, reading to them the Bible. You know, the number one thing that determines whether or not a kid's going to flourish in their life, be successful in their life at very early childhood, all parents, you need to hear this, you know what it is? Reading to your kids they have found. Number one thing, reading to your children when they are small. And so not only are they down there teaching the kids about Jesus, they're reading to them, serving them by saying, you're important to me. They're investing in their future. Yesterday, we had people here early preparing food and providing food for people who drove through here in the mobile food pantry. During the deep freeze, many of you, our building was shut down because of power, assembled at other churches to help us take care of other people whose churches were open. You took people into your house. Church, the heart of a Christian is serving other people. And here's the last one. The yes of dancing with joy. You like that, Tanya? Not because of your circumstances and not because you're young and not because you're untouched by suffering, but because all of the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. I'm going to dance. 2 Samuel 6, verse 16, as the ark of the Lord, let me stop there. The ark of the Lord is like Jesus to you and me, what it was to the Jewish people, the full embodiment of the presence of God. As the ark of the Lord, as the presence of God was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. So let me ask you, are you a yes or a no? Are you going to be King David or you mean Michael? Are you going to dance or are you going to despise in your heart? Which one are you? One of my favorite theologians, a man by the name of Dallas Willard, you heard me talk about him. He was a philosopher and a theologian. He over at USC, he ran the department. He's now dead and gone to be with the Lord. Born in 1935, which meant he taught every lesson in a suit and coat and tie. Wingtip shoes. Old school. Nothing wrong with that. It worked. So he and one of his friends are two weeks off in this intense teaching session. He gets finished, goes back to his hotel room. 
And instead of going back to his brilliant mind of going to his manuscript and, and looking at his next chapter of his book he's writing, and instead of uh, opening up uh, his lesson plan for the next day, he goes into his hotel room, he strips down to his white T-shirt, his Bermuda boxers, his leaves on his socks and his brown wingtips, and he sits down with a remote control and starts channel surfing and lands on a Spanish station that's teaching people how to dance the salsa. And he goes, man... That looks like fun. We need to do that. And so he stands up right there in his hotel room. He starts dancing. And his friend goes, hey, Jesus, you got to see this. Dallas is dancing the salsa for you. I got a question for you. Why don't you dance more? Why don't you move more? You only got one life. He gave it to you to enjoy and to dance because every single promise of God is yes in Jesus Christ for you. That is why we dance. We don't dance because everything in our life is perfect. We don't dance because all our circumstances are great. We don't dance because we have a positive mental attitude. We dance because the believer in Jesus, every single promise of God is yes in Jesus Christ. Every single promise. Every single promise has been revealed in his teaching. Every single promise is lived out in his life. And every single promise was paid for on a cross with his blood and every single promise was guaranteed when the tomb was empty and when the tomb was empty and the women showed up at the tomb and they couldn't find Jesus it doesn't say in the Bible but you know where I think he was he was on top of the tomb and he was going yes dancing the sauce <laughs> the tomb is empty baby the tomb is empty death cannot hold me in the grave all fear is gone amen 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 and amen and that's why we dance because of who God is in Jesus Christ and this is how the Bible ends and this is how we'll end he who testifies, this is how the Bible ends. He who testifies to all these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Yes. woo Come, Lord Jesus, and the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. And the final word in the Bible is amen. Yes. Let's pray. Wherever you are, I want to invite you to lay before the cross right now in your spirit any suffering, any relationship challenge, any financial worry, any addiction. any unforgiveness that you just cannot let go of, any resentment, lay it down at the foot of the cross and listen to God speak to you now.
I see you. Yes, I'll help you. Yes, I'll stick with you. Yes, I will give you what you need to overcome. Yes, I love you. And maybe there's someone here today who wants to say yes back to God. Yes, God. I believe in you. Yes, God. I want to follow this man named Jesus. Yes, God. I accept the forgiveness that you offer me. I accept it. Yes, God. Yes, God. I will do whatever you ask me to do. I will go wherever you ask me to go. I will forgive whoever you ask me to forgive. I will give whatever you ask me to give. I will be whoever you ask me to be. Yes, yes, yes to you, God. Yes, I will be baptized. God, we thank you for this book called the Bible, which just teaches us who you are and reminds us of the truth of your great yes for us in Jesus. So we thank you for his life and for his death and for his resurrection. And because of that, all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, don't leave without greeting them with a holy kiss, okay? Online or in the house. See you next week. Bye.